Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. This week we just crossed the 500th episode mark of the podcast. Pretty crazy. So I wanted to take the time to reflect with you all on some of the common lessons that I've taken from these episodes. I've interviewed a lot of recruiters, recruitment entrepreneurs now. So I wanted to, as we come to the, the 500th mark, share with you all five lessons from 500 episodes on the types of things that I've always picked up on uh, from the people that I've met, from the people that I've interviewed, because there's definitely some some common trends. And I think there's some some really great lessons in here for all of you to take into your own careers, your own businesses. So let's get into it. Lesson number one, you can never stop learning. All of the best recruiters take this seriously. The minute they stop trying to learn is the minute they know they could become complacent. Top performing recruiters really do take this seriously. Whenever I speak to someone about the challenges in their career, it's often from a place of complacency or getting to the milestone they've always thought about getting to. And then once they're there, they can breathe, they can relax. But this is the thing that <laughs> I guess we love and hate about recruitment. It really does not stop. So I think why this always comes out is that top performing recruiters know is that if they do start getting complacent, it's because they're not open to learning how they can improve, learning how they can get more out of their relationships, learning how they can get more out of their craft. And I think it's a really good sign as well. If you're someone that is early on in your career or you're a manager, a leader, a business owner, and you start seeing this sort of swagger about someone who's got a couple of years experience and thinks they, they know it all, thinks that they're maybe even better than other people that haven't got as much experience uh, as them because they, they've come out the other side, that they've gone through those trials and tribulations of building traction, getting credibility within their niche. And they're starting to to feel like they, they know it all and, and they're better than others. And top performing recruiters don't really have that. That they have that humility to know that the minute they start think uh, the minute they start thinking that they know it all is the minute that they start to get complacent. So for those of you that are still very much in the trenches of your career, be mindful of of that energy. Be mindful of thinking that you know it all, because trust me, the best recruiters do not think like that, and they're always open to learning from people that. Uh, really early on in their careers, learning from people above them, learning from people that are at the same level as them. But the minute you stop learning is the minute you could become complacent and top performing recruiters want to avoid that at all costs. And that's lesson number one. And if you're listening to this podcast, I think that's a very good sign that you are someone that is not that. So give yourself a pat on the back. Lesson number two, you have to commit to building systems that empower you to be productive more often than not. I did a post recently about time management, being good at time management isn't something that is an option in recruitment. It really is something that is part of the job. If you catch yourself saying, I'm not very good at managing my time, I'm not very good at time management, that, that isn't gonna cut it. 
the, the best recruiters really do view managing their time, creating systems to get more out of their time, being productive as part of the job. It's not something that they are good or bad at. This is something that you really want to reflect on. And I think we all have great periods, great moments where we're in the flow, we're, we're feeling motivated, we're keeping on top of things. And of course, there's going to be periods and moments that you're not so great. But the Atomic Habits quote, which I'm sure is a book that a lot of you either had recommended to you, have read at some point. I feel like every recruiter uh, has read this. And if they start a book club in their team, this is one of the first books that they start with. It was the first book in uh, our book club. And this is the quote that sums this up perfectly, everyone. It is, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Really think about that. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. So really think about how do you set up your day? How do you set up your weeks? How do you set up your months? What systems do you have in place that enable you to have a better chance of doing the things you know you have to do that are going to get you closer to the outcomes that you want? So this is why this second lesson is about building systems, whether that be time blocks, whether that be utilizing your diary, whether that be telling people in your team that between this time period, not to bother you because you're focusing on X task. This is why quite a few people on the podcast have advocated sprints. There's always, particularly when you're a 360 recruiter, there's always going to be these different tasks, different things that get chucked at you that you have to put through a filter of, should I do this now? Should I prioritize this now? Should I do that instead? And this is why a lot of people spoke about sprints and some people like them, some people hate them. The TikTok comment section absolutely despised them. But I do know a lot of people operate like this where they agree as a team that these are the non-negotiable activities each week that they feel like are the activities that are gonna really help them move the needle. It could be business development, it could be candidate generation, it could be market mapping, whatever it may be, you decide that. And then each day, each week, there's agreed times, it could be 10 till 12, it could be two till four, two hour sprints where as a team, as a collective, you are focusing on doing and executing one task and one task only. That is the great thing about these sprints. Some people may not really like being put in the box and only having to do a certain task, but what's great about them is you have that focused time and energy on one task. And then at the end of those sprints, you can reflect with your manager, with your team, how, you know, how productive was that sprint? What could we have done differently? What was I set up correctly for it? But this is uh, from a recent podcast episode with Rob Legg, uh, where he spoke about each day with his team is broken down into sprints. And I think when you think about sprints, that's a system. So the lesson here, everyone, is what systems do you have in your day, in your week that really enables you to be more productive than not, rather than just going in every day thinking, what do I need to prioritize today? I, I wouldn't really categorize that as a system. So think about your systems that hopefully give you the best chance of being productive. Lesson number three. All the greats view it as part of their job to become an industry expert. You might have heard on the, po uh, heard on the podcast numer uh, numerous times the importance of being a subject matter expert. It's something that comes out a lot. And I think 
not every recruitment business is set up like this, but I'd say most are our niche. You've all heard, I'm sure, the terminology of inch wide, mile deep. And I think this really buys into that methodology and that approach is that recruiters, one of the best ways that they can deliver value, which is why I think this, is, this comes up time and time again, is by having that industry expertise. Now, sometimes where people get confused is they may feel like they have to be as competent as the people that they're working with, as the people that they're placing. That, that isn't what the goal is here. When you hear people talking about this, it's about being at the epicenter, at the middle of the community of people that you work with. A really great episode to check out was with Josh Keeley, who uh, operates in the cybersecurity space. That's how he spoke about being a subject matter expert. It was about he wanted to be in the middle of the community of his cybersecurity professionals. And you all need to remember that one of the, the greatest values that you can give to people in your industry is that brokerage of information, that brokerage of insight. Whoever you work with, whatever your discipline is, don't forget that you speak to these people every single day. A hiring manager will not be able to speak to as many people as you speak to. And that's the insight that you can offer. You can start saying things like, hey, look, I don't know if you're running into this, but I've spoken to five other people like you who are having this problem. How's that looking for you guys? How are you approaching it? What's working for you? A lot of people are talking about this new technology. Is that, is that on your radar at the moment? What, what are you seeing? A lot of people are feeling this way about the market next year. What, how are you feeling about it? What, what are some of the things that are top of mind for you? What, whatever this may be, you're going to be able to communicate this by committing to your industry. And it is going to help if you're passionate, interested, curious about your industry. I guess you don't have to have that, but you're going to find it a lot easier becoming an industry expert if <laughs> you find your industry interesting. So I think one of the best ways that you can do this is, is by going on a strict industry content diet. Like what are you consuming about your industry? Really commit to that. Along with your candidate conversations, what are you consuming? You listen to podcasts uh, in your industry. Are you attending events? Are you attending webinars? Whatever it may be, are you reading newsletters? Are you uh, subscribed to the, to the newsletters that you should be? And I think this is really important for all of you because when the best recruiters do commit to this, it, it does become part of uh, one of their superpowers. It does enable them to stand out in the industry. When you can go into client conversations, candidate conversations, and challenge what those people think because you've got information that says, hey, you might be thinking about this in not the right way because I'm speaking to a lot of people that are thinking about it this way. What do you think about that? That, that is such a great way to showcase your credibility and you're really going to elevate your perception as not just a supplier, a, a recruiter. You're going to be viewed as a partner. You're going to be viewed as someone that can genuinely offer industry insights and, and that's huge. And if you want to uh, you know, get some real insight in that, I would definitely recommend uh, listening to the Josh Keeley episode. Uh, and I asked him, you know, we hear this a lot, become a subject matter expert. How long does it take though? That's what I asked Josh, and he said two to three years of hard work, committing to it. It takes time. You're not going to be there right away. It's a journey. As we all know, recruitment is where you really reap the rewards. It's a long-term career. So definitely 
I'd be thinking about next year, how can you be more entrenched in your industry? And it's something that is absolutely going to give you a competitive edge. Lesson number four. Easier said than done, but you have to consistently build the muscle to win new business. If you don't, you're going to regret it in the future. I think a lot of people experienced this this year. At our most recent live podcast event in Bristol, this was evident. We kicked off the event with two founders of grown recruitment companies sharing how their gross profit this year was down on last year. And one of the overarching themes that I've had time and time and time again in my conversations this year has been how no one had to do business development last year, maybe even the year before. It was very easy to spec out a candidate, have a hiring manager come back, get an interview booked in, and that person would be placed. So the need to build the muscle to win clients was not, it, it wasn't there. So, so many people entered the year this year with a skill set that they needed, but they didn't have it, which was the ability to bring on new business with their ideal client and gain some really good commitment from them. This was something, uh, a skill set that we've seen time and time again at Hector that we're helping our customers with because so many of their teams, so many of their consultants aren't able to do it or really struggled with it this year. And they can point at last year and go, hang on a minute, I was putting in half the amount of work I'm having to put in now and I'm getting half as much back. And it's why I feel like from the conversations I've had, there, there's been a lot of people that have left the industry this year that came into recruitment 2022, 2021, smashing the targets, we're seeing it all over LinkedIn, making absolute cash. And then 2023 for, pff, not sure this is for me. <laughs> But for a lot of people that I've spoken to, they who've been in the game for a while, they're, they're describing this market as, as a typical market. And although a lot of you may have struggled this year, there's still a lot that you can control. And I think one of the things that you really want to be mindful of going into next year is really trying to remain disciplined with, even if you are absolutely stacked with live jobs, continuing to build that muscle of speaking to new clients, drumming up new business, because you never know when you're gonna really need it. And it is one of those skill sets where if you do have it in your locker, you're gonna be indispensable. And you're gonna be able to hit the numbers, achieve the goals that you wanna achieve with this career in recruitment. And I think so many people experienced the, the challenge uh, this year of not having that muscle built because they didn't need to build it over the last two years. So have that in mind. I'm sure you've all had to work your socks off uh, this year on that, but try and bear that in mind when you're looking at your desk and you're thinking, oh my God, I've, I've got so many opportunities right now to, to make some, some great placements. I haven't got time for business development and it just always falls at the bottom of your to-do list. Just try and remember, hang on a minute, 
I was in this position again a year ago. I regretted it. Think about that. Lesson number five and the final lesson. Everyone has their own stance on this, but for me, uh, this, this is an important one. So lesson number five, yes, work smart, not just harder, but you have to choose your work-life balance as you build your career. It's personal and it's down to you. Anything that we put out on socials that talks about working hours, it, people get absolutely hounded. I think people really believe strongly about uh, work-life balance and, and rightly so. But my stance, if I'm honest, always is who are you to judge other people's choices? That isn't to say that we shouldn't look out for people that might be on the journey to burnout, that might be making poor decisions and they've got a history of doing that and then they sort of uh, you know, end up in this position where they've got no energy, they're burnt out, they can't do what they need to. Absolutely, we want to try and help these people not get to that point. I'm, I'm all for that. And I've had a ton of people in this podcast uh, and always will talking about mindset and, and managing these things. But I guarantee you there will not be a top performing recruiter out there who's been in the recruitment industry for up to five years who will not tell you that they had to work their absolute socks off to get to where they got to in those early parts of their career. So do you have to do the long hours? No, you absolutely do not. But what is personal to you is what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to get to? How much money do you want to make? What impact do you want to have? How quickly do you want to get your desk to where you want to get it to? And depending on what those goals are is going to depend on how hard you're going to have to work. And of course, as I said, absolutely be thinking about how you can be doing what you're doing but smarter of course but to think that you can rock in at 9 9:05 leave every day at 5 5:30 and absolutely guarantee that you're going to smash your targets as you're building your recruitment career i don't think that's realistic you may disagree with me, and, and that's fair. I just think how we feel about work-life balance and what you want to put into your career is down to you. It's a personal choice. Who am I to judge that you work long hours in the week? That's, that's not my place to judge. So I think I've spoke to so many managers, so many leaders who say that they have people in their business that want to earn six figures, that want to take their careers to the next level, and they're still very much in the trenches, they're early on in their careers, but maybe aren't putting in the hours that are required. That's what I'm feeling. That's what is the sense that I'm getting from a lot of people that I speak to. And I've almost said this to a bunch of people, which again, you might completely disagree with, is that I feel like in some instances, it's almost become a competitive advantage to have a quote-unquote work ethic. So I guess really think about your goals and where you're at. How I really like to think about myself with this is sometimes there are going to be chapters, and I like to view life 
in chapters is like how many hours you're putting in now doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life. That's obviously where there's going to be a problem. And again, as I said, if you have a sort of history of working so hard that you then get to a point where you literally have no energy and you can't do anything for weeks on end, then absolutely, we want to be avoiding that. What I'm saying here is you need to be truthful with yourself. If you want to be someone that earns the six figures and, and you know, gets on all of the incentives or whatever, that like it's, it, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put the work in. There's just no, there's just no avoiding that. And I think sometimes people don't like hearing that, but it's just the truth. And everyone, every single person I've interviewed this year would have had that period, would have had that chapter. Uh, and again, it's, it's down to you, what you want, where you want to go, what you want to achieve. So absolutely work smarter, think about how you can get more out of what you're putting in but choose your work-life balance. Is this a chapter right now in your career where you're like, I'm going to absolutely smash this out, pull it in for this for the next six months because this is where I want to get to. And then you can then refigure out the way that you want to structure your weeks and days uh, that is better suited to, to where you're at. But that was lesson number five. So that was my, my five lessons of five from 500 episodes. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm really excited to continue bringing... Uh, the conversations that I have done this year uh, for next year. I'm continuing to think about how I can improve this podcast for all of you. So feedback is always welcome. Thank you all for being part of this journey this year. We've had so many amazing guests uh, on the show this year. And I think we've, we've really tried to double down on this podcast. We've, we've tried to double down on the how. So hopefully what you've all experienced this year, for those of you that have listened, is that each time you're listening, there's at least one thing that you're walking away with that you can apply to your career, apply to your business, which is the goal here. There's so much content that you consume, that you can consume, that I think my, my sort of goal always is I want to reward all of you by giving me your time, by giving you tangible, actionable insights that you can uh, apply to your career that helps you get more out of, of what you're doing. So hopefully we can continue that. We're going to continue with the live events and let's see where we are in another 500 episodes thank you so much for being part of the journey and i'll see you all soon